many of you are familiar with one of the greatest radio voices of all time, Paul Harvey? Yeah. Paul Harvey's rest of the story. Some of the young folks here probably never heard him, but they're going to hear him today. There's, there's a reason why I wanted to show this, this uh, video. It's going to be a video clip of, of his voice, but a, a little background. But the reason why I wanted to do that is for a couple of reasons. It's a story he told about Christmas. But it's also going to help me explain to us um, what I titled this message as Presence in Heaven presence in heaven. And uh, Jesus said, God bless you, but Jesus also said, you should store up treasures in heaven. He said there will be rewards in heaven for us. And you know, Jesus said a lot of things, but anybody who says that uh, if you kill me, crucify me, I will come back from the dead three days later and comes through on that promise, I'm going to believe everything that guy says, all right? And Jesus said that, and he said that we should store up treasures in heaven. And I don't know if you know this or not, but you actually have control over that. The actions that you you have, the the actions that you um, show forth on this earth, will indeed store up for you treasures in heaven. And more importantly than that, I think even, is what will those look like? How do you open up a present in heaven? I want to answer that for you today. And I think it's going to be very encouraging to us all. So... Um, without uh, further ado, I guess, let's listen to uh, the first clip from Paul Harvey. The man I'm talking about was not a Scrooge now. He was a kind, a decent, a mostly good man, generous to his family and upright in his dealings with other men, but he just did not believe in all of that incarnation stuff which the churches proclaim at Christmas time. It just did not make sense, and he was too honest to pretend otherwise. He could not swallow the Jesus story about God coming to earth as a man. He told his wife, I'm truly sorry to distress you, but I'm just not going with you to church this Christmas Eve. He said he'd feel like a hypocrite, that he'd much rather just stay home, but that he would wait up for them. So he stayed and they went to the midnight service. Now, shortly after the family drove away in the car, snow began to fall. He went to the window to watch the flurries getting heavier and heavier. Then he went back to his fireside chair, began to read his newspaper. Minutes later, he was startled by a thudding sound, and then another, then yet another. At first, he thought somebody must be throwing snowballs against the living room window. But when he went to the front door to investigate, he found a flock of birds huddled out there miserably in the snow, They had been caught in the storm in a desperate search for shelter. They had tried to fly through his large landscape window. That was what had been making the sound. Well, he couldn't let those poor creatures just lie there and freeze. So he remembered the barn where his children stabled their pony. That would provide a warm shelter. All he would have to do is direct the birds into that shelter. Quickly, he put on a coat and galoshes, and he tramped through the deepening snow to the barn, and he opened the doors wide, and inside the barn he turned on a light so the birds would know the way in. But the birds did not come in. So he figured that food would entice them. He went back into the house and fetched some breadcrumbs and sprinkled those on the snow 
making a trail of breadcrumbs to the yellow-lighted, wide-open doorway of the stable. But to his dismay, the birds ignored the breadcrumbs. The birds just continued to flop around helplessly in the snow. He tried catching them. He could not. He tried shooing them into the barn by walking around them, waving his arms, but instead they scattered in every direction, every direction except into the warm-lighted barn. Oh, you better stop that. It's on a loop. <laughs> Good job. I know you want to hear the rest of the story. I know you want to hear the end of it, and you will in a little bit. But I want to tell you a little bit about Paul Harvey. He was, uh, lived into his 90s, and he was born in 1918 in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He uh, went to church growing up. He says that his favorite verse, uh, said that his favorite verse was John 3.16, often a, a favorite verse of many. He actually started working at a radio station in high school. So he kind of fell in love with radio um, at an early age. And then he also fell in love with what he called his angel, and they were married for 67 years. Harvey's uh, family moved to Chicago where he had this radio program called The Rest of the Story. And he became quite famous, as many of you attested to by saying that you had listened to the rest of the story. Um, he was the, uh, his voice was often referred to as the golden goose, right? It kept on giving. Now, later on in his life, I want to tell you this uh, neat thing that happened to him, and I think it's relevant today, is that Paul Harvey and his wife needed a vacation from Chicago and from all the work they were doing, and so they headed to Arizona. They were on vacation in Arizona. They saw, uh, heard about a church that met uh, on the hilltop. So they drove up the mountain to visit this little country church and on one Sunday, and they settled in in their folding chairs with about a dozen people, a really small church, and the country preacher announced that he was going to be teaching and preaching that day about baptism the Bible way. Now, Paul Harvey had never been baptized before, and as he listened to this preacher explain in the Bible what it means to be baptized as a believer, as one who trusts in Jesus Christ, Paul Harvey went forward that Sunday to be baptized. And he says that he cried like a baby as he was baptized uh, older, uh, as an older man in his life. But it was that step of obedience in his life that really changed and grew his faith. He often became more vocal on the radio about his faith. For example, this particular story that he shared. It's a wonderful example, I think, of what it means to take that next step as we think about our faith and how we grow in our faith. I uh, have been very encouraged. Uh, last week, I put on the chairs a survey that I was hoping you would all fill out so that we could gather some information for planning for 2021. And also, on that survey is a place for you to mark off as to what next steps you've taken in your walk with God. So I want to encourage you again. They're all over. There's some in the back table. Please, before you go today, if you haven't filled out that survey, please do that so that we can prepare, I can prepare um, for 2021. But I love the fact that many of you have taken that next step of baptism. Many of you have been reading your Bible regularly. Many of you have been serving. You've uh, come to church regularly. You invite others to come to church. Uh, many of you have uh, give. You give from the heart. And I believe that these steps grow our faith on earth, but they also store up treasures in heaven. They really, truly do. Because it's an act of obedience to God. 
and you're storing up treasures in heaven, you're storing up pre- uh, presents in heaven that you will be able to open up and enjoy for all of eternity. Now, I want to clarify something very important. I don't want anyone to misunderstand something that's really, really important that the Bible teaches very clearly. You cannot earn salvation. These rewards in heaven are not about you earning your way to heaven. That's not about salvation. Salvation is in Christ alone through faith, right? I mean, it's in faith alone, through Christ alone, we say. In fact, Paul, the Apostle Paul, gave this teaching to the church in Corinth that I think is very important for our, for our message today, and I want to share that with you. It starts in verse 11 of chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, Paul says right here that no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. You can't earn your way to heaven. Jesus is the foundation. He is the cornerstone. He is the rock of our salvation. Amen? There's no other way, right? But Paul goes on to explain to this church that what we do on earth really does matter. He says in verse 12, if anyone builds on the foundation of Christ with gold, material things, precious silver or precious stones, wood or hay or straw, each Christian's work will become manifest for the day, and the day is capitalized, and it's not referring to the judgment day that we saw in Revelation chapter 20. That was for the judgment day of non-believers. This is the Bema judgment, the Christ's judgment for Christians. So Christians are to be judged according to what we have done with our time, with our money, with our energy on earth. He will disclose it. It will be revealed by fire. The fire will test what sort of work each Christian has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. Think about that. If anyone's work is burned up, he's going to suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So you might think of it this way. Some of us are going to enter into heaven, have all kinds of presents waiting for us to open and enjoy for all of eternity. And some of us are going to get there smelling like smoke. (laughs) And I don't know about you, but I would rather just open up a lot of presents. All right? That's really important, I think. What we do now matters forever. I hope you hear that. I hope you understand that. Let's open up our Bibles to Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. It's in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. I'm going to share with you Matthew chapter 6, some of the things that he talked about in chapter 6, starting with verse 1, if you have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, by the way, there are free Bibles available at the table between the couches for you. We even had a call. Um, we put it on our website, free Bibles. We had a call from someone in the community who wants a free Bible. We're going to deliver that Bible to his house and give him a Bible. But in Matthew 6, 1, it's on the screen as well, Beware, Jesus says, of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Now, we've all done that before, haven't we? Who doesn't like a pat on the back for doing something nice? Right? We, we like to do, we, 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 we want to feel like what we did mattered. But Jesus says, if that's your motivation for doing good things, then that's your reward. If your motivation is so other people will see you and pat you on the back, well then great, you get your reward now. But you don't get it in heaven. you got to store up for yourself treasures in heaven. And Jesus is going to give us four examples 
in Matthew chapter 6 that I want to talk about. Four examples. Again, you can read it for yourself, but you can, I'm going to kind of summarize it pretty quickly here about the four examples. First example that he talks about is giving to the needy. Giving to the needy. Back then, you could give to the needy, kind of like we can today. You can go to church, and you can help people at church, or you can give to the church, but you can also give on the street. Back then, you could give on the street. Much like around town right now, there's a lot of bells ringing, right? Salvation Army, right? We can give on the street today. Back then, when you gave on the street, Jesus says they would sound a trumpet. Think about it. If somebody sounds a trumpet, if somebody honks a horn, right, somebody blows a whistle like Barry rings the bell, everybody looks. So what, happens, what happened back then is, is that they would give knowing that the trumpet would be sounded and everybody would look at them. That was their motivation for giving. See? So um, that's not what Jesus says we are to do. How many of you ever been to BD's Mongolian Barbecue? All right, remember they used to have one up here on Ro- Roseville by 12 and Gratiot. There, that was a, a fun place to go to. I tell you what, I loved going because you could either get one bowl or you could get unlimited. Right? I didn't eat unlimited because I mastered how to stack a bowl. All right, I'm gonna give you two hints if you end up going in one of these play. Okay, first of all, take the peppers and stack them up on the side of the bowl and make the bowl bigger. All right. And don't go in order of the buffet line. Don't go with meat first, all right? Put the veggies in first. Meat's heavier. It stacks on top of it, okay? You push it all down. Man, I go up to those cooks, and I got, I got food for three days, all right? And you know how it works, right? You go, you go up there, and you hand your bowl off to the cooks, and they got those big, giant chopsticks, right? They do their thing, right? But as you're waiting for them to cook your food, there's a tip jar, Fish bowl there, right? And if you put the tip in, there's a big symbol, right? Like the gong show. And then you hit it, right? Bong, right? And everybody looks. And the cooks cheer, right? Because they know, right? They want to encourage everybody else to do it. That's your reward, Jesus says. That's your reward. Everybody just looked. You did it so everybody would look. You didn't, you know, I used to go up and just be like, you know, secretly. You know, they're, out, they're not looking. You know, put it in there, Right? But, it's that, it's that, 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 but our flesh, though, at the same time, I'm thinking, you know, I'm just going to give this tip because they're doing a good job. But at the same time, I'm like, I kind of hope they're looking, you know? It's, it's that, that battle we sort of have. Am I right or am I just alone? All right. Jesus said, don't sound the trumpet when you give. He says, don't do that. Give in secret. God will reward you in heaven. Give in secret. The second thing Jesus talked about was praying out loud. So apparently there was opportunities to pray out loud in church, like, like we have here. We can pray out loud in, in church. But probably on the streets they could pray out loud. And there would be these religious people that would pray these really long, pious, holy prayers. You know, and they would do that. And uh, everybody would be so impressed with their religious vocabulary. right? And they would be in awe. And they would like, you know, compliment them. Jesus says, don't do that. Don't be like those hypocrites. Go home, shut your door, pray in your closet, in your house, in the private place, right? That's your reward in heaven. Third thing Jesus talked about was fasting. Now, fasting from food, oftentimes 
there was, there was times of fasting, and they would not eat for several hours. And when they, they would do that, um, when you don't eat for several hours, you can, sometimes you notice it. You can see it in a person's face. And their faces would be gloomy, and they wouldn't hide that. Right? They would want everybody to know, oh, why do you look so sad today? I'm fasting. Oh, you're so holy. You know, that's their reward. Right? That's their reward. There was a time um, in, uh, when I taught in high school, we had a Christian club. And many years uh, in a row there, we did the 30-hour famine. Um, we would not eat for 30 hours, and we'd raise money for starving children all over the world, sponsored by World Vision. So we would do this, and there was one time in particular, I remember, that the fast that I did for 30 hours was going to end around noon on the day that I was going to my grandmother's house to help my dad with a little project over there. And so we arrived around 8 o'clock, and I had about four hours to go before I could eat. Well, my Italian grandmother was famous for whipping up a seven-course meal in 30 minutes flat, okay? I mean... She could put out the food, right? And as soon as I got there, she's like, are you hungry, Matt? You know, you want some food, Matt? And I'm like, oh, I'm okay, Grandma. I'm just going to wait for lunch. But then the smell, you know, of an Italian woman's house, it just smells so good, right? It was so hard. It took every bit of self <laughs> uh, to, 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 to get through. And, and then finally, I, I broke the fast at, at noon when I was supposed to, and I, and I enjoyed it. But I never told anybody uh, about that. I didn't tell my family what I was doing. I did exactly what Jesus said, right? I said, uh, I kind of cleaned up, looked fresh, and I believe on that day I stored up treasures in heaven with all those other teenagers who did it for the purpose of raising money and helping children um, dying from starvation. The fourth thing Jesus talked about was how we spend our money, how we, how, what we buy on this earth. Uh, I'll give it to you in Matthew 6, the three verses that he says. In verses 19 through 21, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust will destroy, thieves will break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then one of my favorite verses, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's from that verse that I always um, when we have our offering time, I say well, we should give from the heart. Do you understand what Jesus is saying when he says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also? He's saying your heart follows your bank statement. Go look at your bank statement, your checkbook or whatever, and you'll see what you desire, what your heart desires. And what you spend your money on, Jesus says, it has eternal ramifications. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Invest in kingdom business. And understand something really important about Jesus. He would never force anyone to give to God or invest in kingdom business. He would never do that. He would never tell someone, you can't have a new car, you can't have a new house, you can't have a new boat. He would never do that. He simply wants you to think about what you, what you buy, what you spend your money on. Understand that it's all temporary. That's the part we often forget about. Material possessions are not bad. It's just that they're temporary. We don't have them forever. You probably heard, you can't, uh, you've never seen a hearse driving down the road pulling a U-Haul trailer. You can't take anything with you to heaven. But you can 
store up treasures in heaven. You can do that. And I believe when you invest in heaven, when you store up treasures in heaven, when you invest your money in those things, I believe it does change your heart. I know this to be a fact because we support missionaries. In fact, I just got off the phone with one a couple days ago that when we invest whatever it is, amount per month to support this missionary and, and other missionaries, but it makes me think about him. It makes me pray for him and them. And so that's changed my heart. I want to know the work that's going on in the place that they're doing their work, that they're ministering to. I think the same thing applies when you invest even here at Life of Purpose. If you give faithfully, you give proportionally to your income, you give consistently, I guarantee that's not all you're going to do if you're giving here at Life of Purpose. You're going to serve here. You're going to pray for the things that are going on here. You're going to get involved. You know, the Old Testament, people have this discussion all the time. The Old Testament talks about tithes and offerings. The New Testament doesn't mention it, right? Or we, so we think. A tithe is a tenth, by the way. That's the word. Tithe means tenth. So the Old Testament, God's people would give tenth of their income plus more, plus more offerings. But the New Testament, everybody thinks that, well, not everybody, but most people think, that the uh, tithes and offerings is done with, right? And, and you're supposed to just give cheerfully because that's what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 9. But just think about this for a minute. Jesus came to abolish the law? No. He came to fulfill it. And in every one of the teachings in the New Testament, what does Jesus do? Lower the bar or raise the bar? He raises the bar. So why would that be any different in our giving? He raises the bar. To me, 10% is always the minimum. You know, Think about this for a minute. Could you survive a 10% pay cut right now? I mean, you look at your income, you say, could I survive 10% if they cut 10% of my pay? Could I, could I do it? Could I make it? Could I cut back on a few Starbucks ladies over here, teenagers? <laughs> could I go out to eat a little bit less? Could I, could I do it if I had 10% less? I think most of us would probably say, yeah, I can do it. And if you can do it, then you can tithe. It's really that simple. But the best part about tithing is, versus a pay cut, is tithing stores up treasures in heaven. Pay cuts don't do that. Pay cuts just make you grumble and complain. But tithing leads to presence in heaven. So I just say that because I want to encourage you as you prepare your budget for 2021 and think about giving from the heart. Four examples Jesus gave. Giving fasting, and praying. But ultimately, there are so many more that we don't have time to talk about how else you can store up treasures in heaven. But here's the summary of it all. If you want to store up treasures in heaven, then you need to, uh, you need to from the heart, understand it's just a way of life. It's a lifestyle. And for many of us, it becomes a lifestyle change, but it's a way of life. Listen to this verse that Jesus said in the same sermon. Chapter 5, verse 16. Jesus says, In the same way, let your light shine before others. Let your light shine before others. Why would you want your light to shine before others? Jesus says, So they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Not you. But they may see what you're doing 
and see that as you're doing that for God. That's a way of life. That's a lifestyle. I've had many people over the years say, oh, wow, what a nice thing you have done. You know, I picked up presents yesterday from a friend of ours. You know, I put it out on Facebook, and lots of my friends wanted to help and donate, and I, they, they mailed me gift cards. They sent me, and I picked up presents. And they're so thankful that, we're, that I'm doing this, or we're doing this for others. But I want them to see that God is for God. I'm shining our light. We're shining our light so God can get the glory. And ultimately, that's what it comes down to. You want to store up treasures in heaven? Make sure God gets the glory, right? Be a reflector, (laughs) right? The light needs to be reflected to God. So store up treasures in heaven. That's how you do it. Then the fun question, I think, how are you going to enjoy presence in heaven? What's that going to be like? How are you going to enjoy a present in heaven, a, a treasure in heaven? I think a lot of Christians have a hard time with this grasping what's that like. After going through Revelation a few weeks back and talking about that, I've been uh, just thinking a lot about that, and so I ordered a a book that I'm going to be reading over uh, the next couple weeks on our vacation. I'm going to be reading a book called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. It's uh, an older book, but uh, I'm encouraged, uh, excited to read it. He's kind of the the expert, if you will, on that, and so I'm going to just be thinking a lot about heaven, and it helps to do that when it's sun, the sun's shining, because we'll be going to Florida. So, <laughs> Thanks to you guys, by the way, who many of you uh, helped us out, so I appreciate that uh, as a present. Um, but it's hard to understand sometimes what a present in heaven will look like, will feel like, because we're so earthly-minded, right? We, we have a hard time grasping that. Like, how do we... I mean, when I think about what I want in heaven as a present, as a material possession, it would be a heavenly fishing pole. I mean, that's like, I know my mansion's going to be next to a lake. I've already got that figured out with lots of fish in it, so clearly God's got to give me a fishing pole, right? I don't think it's going to be like that, folks, but I'm kidding. But my point is, is what is, what is a treasure in heaven? What is a present in heaven. And I think the way to answer that, truly to understand that, is to hear the rest of the story from Paul Harvey, and then I'll explain. So let's listen to the rest of that wonderful story Paul was telling. To flop around helplessly in the snow. He tried catching them. He could not. He tried shooing them into the barn by walking around them, waving his arms, but instead they scattered in every direction every direction except into the warm, lighted barn. And that's when he realized that they were afraid of him. They were afraid of him. To him, he reasoned, I'm a strange, terrifying creature. If only I could think of some way to let them know that they can trust me, that I'm not trying to hurt them, but to help them. But how? Any move he made tended to frighten them and confuse them. They just would not follow. They would not be led or shooed because they feared him. And he thought to himself, if only I could be a bird now, if I could be a bird and mingle with them and speak their language and tell them not to be afraid, then I could show them the way to the safe, warm barn 
but I would have to be one of them, wouldn't I? So they could see and hear and understand. At that moment, the church bells began to ring. The sound reached his ears. Above the sounds of the wind, and he stood there listening to the bells. Adeste Fidelis. Listening to the bells, pealing the glad tidings of Christmas. And he sank to his knees in the snow. Paul Harvey. the rest of the story. Isn't it a wonderful story? God used birds to show how he came to this earth to be like us so that we could have salvation. I think that story is fitting for Christmas, obviously, but I think it helps us understand the rest of the story for us in heaven. How do we enjoy presence in heaven? What if I didn't play that last part for you? What if you didn't get to hear the rest of the story? Some of you would have confronted me before you left today and said, you forgot to tell us the rest of the story. You forgot to play the clip. Some of you would have went home, you know, I don't want to bother them, you know. And, but then you would have emailed me or called me, let me know. I didn't tell you the rest of the story. Some of you would have just Googled it on your own, the man and the birds, Paul Harvey, and you would have found it on YouTube which is where I found it. But it would have bothered you because when you watch a movie, you don't stop with 20 minutes left. You want to know the rest of the story, don't you? You want to hear it. You want to see it. You want to know what happens. To me, this is how we understand what it's like to open up those presents in heaven. It's hearing and seeing the rest of the story. You see, there's times in our life where we get the opportunity to do things for God's glory. We get to help someone who's homeless with some money. We get to buy presents for families in need, right? We, we donate to our food pantries. We, we do things for others. Sometimes we don't ever get to meet them or know them. But just think, what if you got to meet them? in heaven, and they got to give their thanks to you for what you did for them. That could be the rest of the story. When you faithfully support your church, when you fast for your country, when you pray for someone's healing, whenever you invest in the kingdom of God, I believe the rest of the story is you enjoy that forever in heaven. In life, On earth, we often don't see the rest of the story. But I believe in heaven, we will. And that's that's a present in heaven that you'll enjoy forever. Many years ago, I prayed diligently for my sister Kylie to know Christ, to be a Christian. She was in college, and I had the opportunity, after many months of praying for her, to share my faith, share my story with her. And when I did, she responded 
by accepting Christ as her Lord and Savior. Today, she's faithful in her church. She raises her family, her children to know the Lord. And I'm enjoying that. I'm enjoying that right now. But you know what? I'm going to enjoy that for all of eternity because that's a present in heaven. Because I didn't do it for me. I did it for God's glory. And I want to see all of us do the same. Let us store up treasures in heaven. Amen.